yeah so the main reason i'm self-published right now is like my my book wild and beautiful i wrote as a poem to my daughters and i just wasn't comfortable with someone changing the term self-publishing tends to carry a certain stigma but it's becoming more and more common with many authors turning to it because finding representation is hard and with publication dates years out from contract signing the wait seems like forever welcome to you may contribute a verse a set of conversations with creators we value i'm brenna jenneret children's lit author, mother, rock climber, and outdoor enthusiast, and co-host of You May Contribute a Verse. My co-host, Josh Munkin, is a children's lit author, father, science communicator, and podcaster. Today's guest, Amanda H. Cormier, decided to go the self-publishing route because she simply didn't want anyone else to control her words or change her vision. Her debut book, Wild and Beautiful, illustrated by Naya Kurenchenko, is both a work of art and an act of rebellion. We discuss the imposter syndrome of taking on the entire process of publishing a book on your own, the attempt to reclaim your identity after motherhood, and why you should be in a barbershop quartet. Here's Amanda's verse. <laughs> That's too so funny. So you, you have kids, correct? You have daughters, yeah. is that right? Yep, I have a three and a one-year-old. Uh, oh, oh yeah, so they're still really little. Yeah. Oh, but they're, they're just about to turn two and four. Like so, we're we're close, but okay. Is the is the Paw Patrol balloon in the background there oh, yeah. from a birthday party? Um, actually, no. That was a. Oh, you want a toy? Let's go to the dollar store. And she picked a Paw Patrol balloon. Nice. That's Just good like, parenting. Yeah, Happy yeah, yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, I like yeah, that. She's like, let's go to Target and look at toys. I was like, or let's go to the Dollar Tree. Perfect. Yeah. You know what? I love a good um Target playdate. Like I wrote a whole blog about it like years ago because like we I would just take my son there all the time. He can play with all the toys. We yeah. don't have to buy any. You just yep. put them back. You get tired. You go rest in the lawn chair area. They usually yep. have a Starbucks aligned so you can have a coffee. I was <laughs> Pour some whiskey in there if you need to. What? No yeah. judgment. <laughs> I was just telling my mother-in-law this a couple of weeks ago because she was asking like what they want for their birthday. And I was like, take them to Target and just make a list. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just let them go. Everything they want. Too funny. Um, all right. Well, how do we orient ourselves now that we've had we've talked about like all these non <laughs> non book things? We just jump right in. We jump right in. Oh gosh. I will follow your lead. I, this is my first podcast, so <laughs> do tell me. Awesome. Correct <laughs> yeah, me. What did I do? <laughs> I listen to a lot, but I've never been. No. This is generally how we how we do it, anyways. Like we're very we're like very loose with the structure, which I feel like works because then we end up talking about you know stuff that's that ends up being really interesting and eventually ties in to writing. So, <laughs> so why don't we start with that? How did you how did you get into writing? I read briefly like sort of about your background and how you used to um, like to perform, and you were in you were in Tennessee, is that right? You like yes. you're from that area or you're still there? Well, so I'm from Michigan and I lived in Tennessee for years and we actually just moved back to be closer to family. Um, but I mean, I started writing as songwriting, like as a, oh, probably, probably like around 12, writing really, really terrible songs about boys. Um, <laughs> yes. Little journals at my parents' house, which I like will not open because I know they are very embarrassing, but I'm sure it'd be a good Friday night activity sometime. But <laughs> and, you, and you also can't throw them out, right? That's like a exactly. hard line to walk. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't, there's like this memory of mine of like, um, when my 
grandfather died we like went through my grandmother's journals and she was there but like they were her teenage journals and it was like one of the most fun nights i had with my cousins and i'm like you know hold on to them maybe like it'll be a weird family night just let just let me be dead first yeah (laughs) Yeah, right (laughs) please don't make me be a part of it kick out of it but um, (laughs) so i feel like there's a part of me that's like i'm not ready to look at those yet but i'm sure there's some good stuff in there for somebody to look at sometime i think sometimes i mean i i tried to write a novel when i was probably about that age uh, and I didn't know, you know, novel length or anything or or proper structure. It was well before I had a chemistry class. It was a novel about, I don't know, a couple of guys that like had a car accident. And I, what I remember about it was um, it was like they crashed into like a paint factory and the mix, the weird mix of paint and blood and some other kind of chemicals that they were taking, like shrunk them down. And so it was like a uh, you shrink down tiny and you have to make your way through this factory. Um, awesome. But, so. I just outed myself as my the first novel that I ever wrote. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't queried that one yet, or I haven't, I haven't brought it back. Agents, agents yeah, listening, right. he's available. <laughs> he's looking for a rep. Yeah, he's a pitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I started at songwriting, and then, um, I mean, I guess that was like my main mode of writing for years, and then I kind of stopped uh, for, you know. And then I start teaching it basically of like, well, this is really vulnerable. I'm going to teach it instead. And so um, I worked at the Country Music Hall of Fame for years and um, cool. worked in the education department there. And so we have a, a signature um, songwriting program. So I wasn't the leader of that, but I was still helping in a lot of those programs all the time and working with songwriters and stuff. So I was like, I got to not be vulnerable, but still do it all the time, you know, and <laughs> teach other people how to do it. Um, and then when I, I was also a special ed teacher for a while. So I had, you know, classroom full of picture books. And after a while, I'm like, this is really similar. Like if you're doing lyrical picture books, it's like, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Um, and so, and like writing a, a kid's book was kind of always on a bucket list. And then when I had kids, I was like, no, I actually like really want to do this. I want to, you know, I don't know. It's amazing how triggering that is. Yeah. To say like, <laughs> okay, well, I've, I've been on the cusp of this for the while. Now I've got somebody that I can actually write for. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the first idea started as kind of like a poem for my kids. And then, um, then I was like, Oh, but like, this is freeing. Like I could write about anything and it might not be good, but like the, the process of it is, I don't know, I guess with songwriting, it always felt like it had to be this deep emotion I was getting out. And I'm like, it could literally be about snow or a random teddy bear. It doesn't matter. I can just (laughs) sit down and, you know, Especially I feel like once you become a parent, it's really important to have some sort of outlet so you don't go insane, you know, like put that somewhere because otherwise it just is like too much for any one person to handle, right? But so, I mean, writing for me has always been an outlet too, which is why I can totally empathize with your mountains of journals that you do not want to go back into. Like I have these piles and piles and I'm like, part of me just wants to burn them. And then the other part of me is like, no, 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 like these will be valuable someday. And like my son will probably want to go through them. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, Josh and I also, we both kind of started with, you know, writing in poetry. We both wrote rhyming manuscripts to begin with. 
we're yeah. we're both not rhymers. <laughs> they both they both did not get picked up. Spoiler, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like a lot of parents start out that way, and because you know we grew up with a lot of rhyming books, and I mean rhyming books are great, nothing wrong with them, but people think, oh, it's so easy to do. Yeah. It's so easy to write this like really fun sort of rhythmic like lyrical book, and it's yeah. so not. It right. is so hard. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So the had you been pursuing, I mean, at this at, at the time you were doing songwriting, had you been pursuing being a musician yourself? Uh, I mean, I had sang, well, like, okay, give you a whole backstory. I sang professionally since I was probably like 12 and I was like in a barbershop quartet and we would sing it. Let's Ooh. get into that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we would sing it like, you know, corporate events and all these festivals and stuff. And cool. Um, then I would do like some solo classical stuff. And then I was in a country band in college and would sing with different, uh, you know, friends doing like folk stuff. And so, I mean, yeah, it was a dream. But once I got to Nashville, I was like, oh, this is scary. <laughs> and so, you know, I would like go in and, and sit in with some bands on Broadway. And back when that was normal, I don't know if that's normal anymore. It's much more touristy. But when I first moved there in 2010, you could walk up and be like, hey, can I sing two songs with you? And you know, that was very, oh, wow. Normal. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, like my first year that I lived there, I did that kind of stuff all the time. But, um, then I think I just got really intimidated and I went back to school for teaching and, um, it's like, I always had musical friends and we would like jam and stuff, but like, that's kind of where the doing it as a career kind of stopped. Um, and then I found my way back to teaching it at the, um, at the museum. So it's a nice way to sort of parlay that same skill set into yeah. something that is slightly more stable and predictable and less uh, stressful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I learned in that time of like, I was really uncomfortable with self-promotion and like, mm. I mean, to make it there, you have to be able to talk about yourself all the time. And although in adulthood, I've gotten a lot better at that. At the time I was like, mm, no, I just want to show up and sing. <laughs> I don't want to have to tell you how good I am. That makes me very uncomfortable. So that was kind of a deal breaker for me at the time. Um, but, um, yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> See, we get all jumbled up when we think about self-promotion and putting yeah. ourselves out there. I was going to say, aren't, aren't you a self-published author though? Like you must, you must have learned the, the tricks to getting yourself yeah. out there. So I am, and I'm still not great at promotion. I'm, I'm still, you know, learning all the ins and outs of that, but, um, yeah. So the main reason I'm self-published right now is like my, my book, Wild and Beautiful, I wrote as a poem to my daughters and I just wasn't comfortable with someone changing it. Like, mm. you know, I like having studied the music industry for 20 something years, like I understand how art business works in that of like, you own it to a certain extent, but once you give it to a large publishing house, it's partially yours, partially theirs. And so um, I think with this one, I just wasn't really willing to like, let someone else take it over. Um, and a lot of my favorite musicians throughout time were self-published at some point um, because of the music they wanted to produce. So to, to me, it was just like, yeah, if you have something that's close to your heart and you don't really want it to be changed, that's just what you do. Um, that's a really interesting and like refreshing take on it because I feel like in this business, self-publishing, you know, people sort of don't, they don't give it the what's the word? They just don't look at it the same way as a traditionally self-published book, which yeah. I think is, you know, 
totally unfair because like you're saying, like, I mean, there's great stuff out there that's been self-published and with, you know, the bottleneck in traditional publishing, it makes so much sense that people are like, you know what, I'm going to take this on myself because this is just, you know, it's too much. This is taking forever. People are saying no, like it, you know, like, and people have publishing dates like years and years out. It's like, you know, I totally get why you would want to self-publish, but I also, I really appreciate what you're saying. Like you didn't want it changed. And so that's, I, I love that so much because in terms of myself thinking about like, oh, I'd like to self-publish, you know, this, because I told you about that rhyming book that I first wrote, which was also about my son, like very close, you know, close to my heart, of course. So, but I never, I thought about self-publishing it, but not for that reason, which I mean, I think it was probably layered in there somewhere, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I just didn't articulate it. So I really, I really identify with that, I guess. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, well, I mean, I agree. Like it's not as respected. And, and I think the way that I looked at it was like, once I learned how long querying can take and also I'll be honest, it's a privilege. Like I had the money to hire an illustrator and the time I, like, I was home during COVID with my kids and could work on this stuff. Like it, it is really time consuming to self-publish. Um, like, I don't know. I just wasn't willing to wait when that's all that time I could spend querying. I could just be working on my book and it could be out so much faster Um, And I have manuscripts that I've finished that like I am querying because I'm not as emotionally attached to, you know, I I would welcome some eyes telling me what's wrong with it or changing it or whatever. Um, And so like, you know, I'd like to do a mix of of traditional if if I am ever so lucky. But, um, you know, with everything happening in the industry, it's also like, well, I don't know if I want to wait three to four years to possibly see that book either. So I don't know. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I've read Wild and Beautiful. Uh, and by the way, my eight-year-old, <clears throat> we read it this morning uh, as we were waiting for school drop-off. She wanted me to tell you that it was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's so <laughs> sweet. Uh, uh, She's my little my little proofreader, Charlie. Um, shout out. But, she gives um, a lot of good feedback. I've heard lots of good stuff does. from Charlie on my stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's done is done for Wild and Beautiful anyway. It's already out in the world. So, yeah, 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 you that's know, right. no, no note taking. Um, but uh, just an observation that it it presents as a super refined and well put together work. Um, it is not. I mean, Brenna, you mentioned this earlier. I mean, there's a certain stigma with self-publishing that it is it's uh, of a lesser quality and not no no less readable. But I mean, how have you wrestled with that that stigma of like I've got this work out there? I was the one that was in charge of putting it out into the world. Um, know, know that it has value. Know that this is this just because it's self-published doesn't mean that it's it, it's it's any less than what else is out there. It's just a different yeah, path. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like so many people deal with imposter syndrome and I'm mm. definitely one of those people. And so like one thing I've had to stop doing recently is like, don't read reviews. It's already done. You can't change it. Um, yeah. You know, there's no benefit to that, really. It's not for you, um, which generally been good. But, you know, I like to take feedback and change stuff. <laughs> so, um, you know, like. I've had to wrestle with that a little bit because I know the reason that I self-published it. Um, but even like if I reach out to bloggers or whatever, like there's some that are like, I won't even read it because it's self-published. And I'm like, okay, I understand because you probably get a ton of these. Like, you know, everyone has to have boundaries with their 
their life. Um, but like, I mean, that's absolutely there um, of like, well, I'm just not even going to open it because it, it's not uh, traditionally published. So like that's, you know, can be kind of hard to work around, but everyone's got their, their rules. So I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, like some, I guess some days are better than others. Where I'm just like, yeah, I made it and you can like it or not. And there are some days where I'm like, well, it would be nice to have the name of a big publisher behind it. So it just automatically has some credibility. Yeah, totally. I, um, I, yeah, what you said about having imposter syndrome, I mean, at every level of this game, traditional or self-published, everybody has that, right? So for you, it just happens to be around, you know, the fact that this, not only is it your work, but you put it together, put it out there, you know, published it yourself. So there's that extra layer. And then, you know, coming from the other end, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like I found the three people that thought my book was worth publishing and putting out into the world, but who knows? Maybe those three people didn't know what they were talking about. We put it out there and then, you know, it gets horrible reviews or it doesn't sell or I never publish another book or, you know, or yeah. I I don't actually know what I'm doing even though these people <laughs> thought that I did. So, it's yeah, I think it doesn't matter, you know, which end of it you come from. Everybody yeah. feels insecure cuz everybody, you know, anyone can come on and comment about anything they want and people are rude. people people are not nice <laughs> so yes <laughs> but I, like i think the other thing i try to find comfort in is like i don't think this is my only book and it was a learning experience i didn't come in as a professional or as an expert like i was learning everything about self publishing along the way and there are things that i would have done differently and there are you know especially oh my gosh on the technical side i had no idea what i was doing ooh it was such a learning experience um, and so like, yeah, you could nitpick it. Cause so can I like, you know, whatever, what, whatever you think is wrong with it. I'm sure I think there are 10 more things that are wrong with it than you do. So right. you know, come, exactly. at, come at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> we talk with a lot of folks in the industry about being paired with illustrators um, you don't have a lot of control over who, who illustrates your manuscript that's in the hands of your editor. Um, and that's a long back and forth, uh, with mm-hmm. some limited exchange with the illustrator. I mean, in your position as someone who's hired the illustrator, um, you were your own editorial team. How much of right. a collaboration was it with Naya, um, to, to get that, get that done? And, and what kind of agreement did you arrange with, not to get too, you know, financial or detailed or anything, but. Oh, no. Uh, so I found her on the website Fiverr. And then from there, we like had some conversations and she was really great. Um, and again, this is my first time doing it. So she kind of walked me through some pieces and, and was super supportive and wonderful. Um, and I feel like it was, at least in my eyes, really beneficial because I didn't want to have full control over the illustrations. I wanted to like talk about ideas and like my general overall feeling. And I wanted her to do it because I'm not an illustrator. If I was, I probably would have tried it myself. Like I wanted someone, I wanted to like find someone whose work I looked at and be like, I can trust this person to like put their own stamp on it. And like, there could be a couple things where I might, like there really wasn't a whole lot that I asked her to like adapt because I, I wanted to still have that like traditional, you know, author illustrator um, relationship where like I'm the words and she's the art. That's not my world. And I want someone else's interpretation of these words as well. Like I don't want it to just be me. Um, And so, 
you know, we kind of did it like we did the whole storyboard and, 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 um, went back and forth on that. And then just kind of said, all right, let me know, you know, when pieces are written, we did kind of like half at a time just to make sure we were truly on the same page. And, um, and then she's been so good about, we had a lot of, like I said, technical issues with, because we, I did it through Amazon and Ingram spark and like the two systems wanted different formats. It was like a whole thing. And so, um, like she went above and beyond helping me <laughs> figure that out. So working with her was super, super wonderful. Can you, um, will you say her full name just so we can give her a shout out on so, the podcast? Well, I, I hope that I'm not butchering it because I've actually never spoken to her. We've done everything via text, but I think it's Naya Kiernczeko. Okay, got it. Yeah. So we can, we'll, and we'll I, link her I, I in the show notes. I'm wrong, please. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I'm over here looking at my phone to make sure that I, I, <laughs> oh I referenced it right too. But that's 22, <laughs> you know, 2022 for you, right? It's yeah. like you can have this whole deep collaboration and never say anybody's name out loud. Yeah, which now I'm yeah. like, I should have done that. We should have like had a celebratory Zoom or something. <laughs> <laughs> She's on to her next project. Yeah, oh, she definitely is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long did the process take? I'm curious. Um, I want to say, I want to say like five months, but I honestly, I, um, I'm not good at note taking, so I could probably go back at like Fiverr and take a look. Um, but I think like from hiring her and talking through it and then like having a, a finished product, I want to say it was like maybe four or five months. And then, so when, once you guys felt like it was finished, what did you, you just submit it? Like you submit the whole package, like to Amazon or wherever you're selling it and then they put it together and is it like a um like print on demand or did you print like a bunch of copies and you have them to send out or how does it work it's mainly print on demand so like i have it available on amazon print on demand and like i mean i have a stack of copies here because i i thought like i'm gonna go to you know these art shows or whatever and sell it and like nothing's really happened because of covid maybe sometime this summer i'll do something fun but um and then like Ingram Spark, same thing. And that makes it available to most distributors, but it's still all print on demand. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I mean, what, what technology makes possible is great. I mean. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I think about like, if I wanted to self-publish, I don't know, even 10 years ago, I'd have to have a closet full of books and like, hopefully they sell, but you know, right. you don't know. <laughs> and everything would have cost like $10 more per copy too. Yeah. I mean, it's come a long yeah. way for sure. And you'd yeah, have to pay for sure. shipping and like deal with all of that and back and forth with, you know, address and just stamps and post office, right? Like how many post office runs and just, it yes. would have been a whole, a whole thing. Yeah. 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 I'm very thankful for the print on demand aspect. Yeah. So do you, um, again, then not to, not to get in too much to the nitty gritty financial stuff, but I, I'm curious <laughs> about, well, I mean, <clears throat> what, what I think is valuable is this notion of, is this like a work for hire thing? Well, sometimes we talk for uh, talk with authors about being paired with illustrators and the notion of giving the illustrator as much credit for their art as you do the you know the author, um, yeah. and they've got they've got some buy in in the continued success of the book. But that's not always the case with self publishing. I mean, especially yeah. with something like Fiverr, where it's like a you do this and then and then you're going to yeah. move on to your next project kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. So in our situation, it was a, it was just a hired, um, you know, there, there's no Royal, we don't have any like royalty set up or anything like that. Um, which like, 
in the small scale that this book has been so far is probably <laughs> okay. You know, if I did this long term, maybe that's something I would feel more comfortable doing. So there's like a little more, um, I guess, shared ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I'm, I don't think when I started this, I knew that was normally a thing. Like I, um, or, you know, like from a publishing house standpoint, I don't know if I knew that was a thing. Um, but I'm, I've been, um, trying to like get to research some more illustrators in the U S and kind of like what the expectations are here. So I'm trying to learn if I continue to self-publish, like I said, right now I'm, I'm querying, but, um, you know, if I think I'll probably still publish, even if it doesn't, because like I said before, like it's either, you know, spend so much time querying or just, just do it. Or just do it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, will you tell us, Amanda, a little bit about the inspiration for the book? Because I, I read like, you know, I read the background of it and mm-hmm. I I personally felt very um I just I really identified with where it was coming from, like the whole voice of the book. And so can you tell yeah. us where it came from? Yeah. So like I said before, it started as like a poem for my daughters. Um, but my base thought of like why I felt like I mean, there's a million poems to babies <laughs> but why I felt like I wanted to publish it was like I wanted to show a mom with hopes and dreams because um I feel like in a lot of children's books the mom is just like kind of this random character who do- doesn't really have anything like she's she's just a catalyst for the child and like yes the the child should be the center of the book yeah but um you know I just thought like one, it's important for kids to know that their parents have lives outside of them. One, so that they, you know, know that their their parents are people. <laughs> but also, you know, I, th- I think, especially for little girls, like, it's important to know that you too can grow up and have dreams and you don't just have to serve everyone else. Um, like, you know, I grew up in a family where, you know, a large Catholic family where I started taking care of other kids when I was super young. And, and I was always my head was always full of dreams but like it would have been also really easy to grow up thinking like this is all I can do is to take care of others and um I don't know I just wanted to have something out there where like you can be a mom and still want to do a lot of things you can still have adventures and creative projects and you know big jobs little jobs whatever um you know you can do all the things so you don't have to be one or the other that's my I have so much to say about that. (laughs) I I love all of that. And I, so first, let me just start with really quickly. So when I was first pregnant with my son, we thought for sure he was going to be a girl. My husband used to work in the Air Force and there was all these these rumors about like, oh, if you worked around radiation and blah, 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 you're definitely going to have a girl. There's no science, but there's just like this myth, right? And we were totally convinced it was going to be a girl. We went to have the ultrasound. He's a boy. And we're all like, what? Like we walked around in shock for like a week. And we're like, this is this is crazy. And the weirdest thing for me was that my brain, like my parent, like the way I thought I was going to parent if I had a girl was not not so different, but like my mindset like changed dramatically. Yeah. Like I sort of took not a sigh of relief, but I sort of like stood down a little. So to give yeah. you some, a little bit of background or like perspective, I was pregnant in 2016 right around election time. And I was all riled up. And I just was like, if I'm going to have this girl, she's going to know how to like kick and fight and defend and like, you know, like, damn the man. I was like, so 
like enthused about it because I just was so angry, you know? And I felt like if I was going to have this little girl, she was going to come out fighting and she was not going to like, you know, bow to any dudes or do what they wanted. And then, (laughs) yes, I love this. Okay. So, so anyway, let you guys see. (laughs) Great talking to you. Yeah, right. Hang on now. (laughs) But yeah, my mindset just like flipped so much. Not that I didn't want my son to also be like riled up and like, you know, fight for what was right and, you know, for people everywhere and just like, you know, all of that. And also, so my, my husband is Filipino, so my son is a mixed race kid. Mm-hmm. So there was that aspect too. And I just, yeah, like I still, of course, wanted to instill all of that. But the fact that he was not going to be a girl just was so like, my brain just sort of flipped. And then, so you go ahead and say your thing. And then I want to circle back because I have well, more I, to I say. I was just going to say 100% <laughs> all those feelings, again, it's probably what it's <laughs> because I was pregnant in well, my daughter was born in like mid 2018. So like height of me too. And her middle name is Rebellia. Cause I was like, no, oh. like, we are. <laughs> we are I love friends. that. <laughs> That's the name of the podcast. Can that be the yes. name of the podcast? Are, are you guys best friends now? I think so. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> so, okay. So just to circle back around real quick and then Josh, yeah. you can, you can jump yeah. back in. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But so I, the thing that I really identified with about the reasoning for you wanting to put this book into the world. So before I had my son, my husband and I met when we were both living in Korea. We lived in Korea. He was there in the military. I was there teaching English. We met rock climbing. We've been everywhere together. We traveled the world. We lived in our van for a year so we could rock climb. We drove up to Alaska after I was working there for the summer. We spent time on the West Coast. Like, we, we've done like a lot of things, right? We've done a lot of like cool things. Then we had our kid and not that we're not doing cool stuff, but you know, I'm definitely like my identity got refocused in a way that was like, I'm not me anymore. Like I'm not, it's not like, Oh, Hey, Brenna, how's it going? It's Oh, Hey, Hey, Finn's mom. Like how, how's it going? How's Finn doing? What's going on with Finn? What's, you know, which is, you know, that's totally fine. Like, of course, like I'm, I am a mom, you know, you're as a parent, like you want to give everything to your kids, but you also don't want to fade away completely. So like part of me is also like, I'm still here. Like, listen to me. I still, I'm still valuable. Like I still do other things. Like I'm still, I'm still Brenna and I still can do like cool stuff. And the fact that you pointed out also, like, I think it's so important for kids to see their parents doing this stuff. Like it is so hard to pull myself away and be like, look, I'm not going to be here for the day. Like I'm going hiking. Like I'm going to go and do this thing with these other moms or like these friends of mine. And I'm not going to be here for the day because, you know, the look in his eye is just like, oh, what? Like you're you're not going to, you're not going to be here. Like, you know, it's like this hole in his little world and you just are, you feel so like responsible for that. And of course, you know, you are to some extent, but also it's so important for them to see, look, like my mom is independent. I can be independent like that. Like I can go and do this cool yeah. stuff and I don't, and, you know, and she will come back. Like it's so, it's yeah. so valuable. And so I just, I really, yeah, I just love that. That was your, your reasoning for putting it out there. Thanks. I'm glad I connected with somebody. That was the goal. But, you know, you're always like, well, here we go. <laughs> and uh, yes, I mean, for my part, not to, not to insert myself in back in the conversation, but uh <laughs> good. You should know. Well, you should know, Amanda, that Brenna, before we started doing this podcast together, is a mom podcaster 
about oh, cool. wild wild mamas and uh, and a, a motherly motherly writer as well. So you've stepped on a, like a landmine of <laughs> podcast conversation fodder. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> I uh, my, and this is a very it's a very Brenna book, which was the observation I was going to make when you were getting your getting your t shirt too. It's like look at all this stuff I've done, all to the to to all the points that you've said, Brenna. I'm curious though. When you think, not to recenter or to get away from this part of the conversation, but when you think about your audience, um, mm. do you have a um, do you have a method by which this book would be read to kids in mind when you when you write it? And the reason I asked that is that <clears throat> for me, as I as I read through this book, it felt very much like a book that you would give someone as at like a like a baby shower or mm-hmm. um or something like that that's like very encouraging and very nurturing uh but it's also like um like oh the what's the seuss book oh, oh the places the places, the places you'll, you'll go. it's but it's yeah. it's like a it's a it's a chiller vibe version of oh the places you'll go centered yeah. also like centered 50 percent on the places that the parents have been and have gone before and so uh, just recentering on that question. I mean, do you do you imagine that that it serves that purpose for for folks? Hundred percent. Yeah, and I think maybe that was like the teacher brain in me too. Of like, well, when you're reading this, you're definitely going to like ask questions and <laughs> talk about. I mean, there are you know whatever ten options on the page, but like, what are all the other things you could do? Or or giving the parent space to talk about what they've done. Like, I mean, obviously not everyone's going to do that. Half time you're reading stuff like half falling asleep at night. I get that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like that is how I envisioned it and how um, my kids are not super there, at least, you know, my three, almost four-year-old, like she knows it's mommy's book and she knows that I've done those things, but like kind of like I think a lot of kids are when it's like the parents' art, they're like, cool, but no. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't actually want to go into into detail with that. So we have not had that experience, but... um, (laughs) <laughs> uh but yeah my thought was like more of a, a, a like I think it is being kind of marketed at least on Amazon stuff as like a baby shower book um but more of like if it could also come back when they're a little older to be a conversation starter of like you can do a ton of things and you can change your mind about what those things are and they don't have to stop if you're a parent and they don't necessarily have to stop for me because I'm a parent like you can live a full life you know, at any point. Um, Josh, I'm interested with um, Charlie being older. Yes, I got <laughs> a question. <laughs> well, no, I'm just wondering, you know, like what, what Charlie thought of it. Like, did she ask questions? Like, was she like, oh, I mean, I know she, I know she liked the book and thought it was beautiful, but did you see it sort of working like that with, you know, with having an older kid? Cause she's eight and she'll be nine relatively soon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She'll be nine this year. Um, yeah. And I don't want to characterize it like we've, we've had a bunch of time to sit and really consume it, but I, oh, but sure. I can see, yeah. I can see where it would foster a lot of conversation. I mean, not only would it be a, a very calming book to read to a baby who doesn't understand the words, but you, you know, you, you, you as a parent get the message, but a good conversation starter. I mean, what mm-hmm. the type of parent that we try and be with our kids is to 
remove barriers and make sure that they don't feel like they've got any limitations. You can do whatever you want sort of thing. And so this is the kind of book that gives representation very, very well. I think it's very, it's pretty minimal in terms of the amount of text that's, that's in the book and very, um, I don't know if you can say this, but the illustration style is, is lyrical in the sense Mm -hmm. that it's imaginative. You see the characters on the page, but there's a lot of weird, like, you know, magical type stuff going on, swirlies and and all that stuff. So all all that stuff is great fodder for discussion, I feel like. Yeah. Just maybe not at 829 when you got to get out of the car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I was only asking because our our kids are still younger than that. Like if I read that book to my son, I'm sure he would be like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Like, let's go. You know, can we do something else? Right. Like, you Let's know, like, around. Yep. yeah, I don't think I, I just, like you're saying, Amanda, like, I just don't, he's too young for the message to sort of permeate. Like he is vaguely aware of, you know, stuff that my husband and I have done and like our backgrounds, like super vaguely to the point where it's just sort of like, oh yeah, cool. Like you guys used to, you used to be cool. Like, you know, and now <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, which, you know, is, is totally fine. But um, yeah, at some point, you know, when they start to ask questions, I think, yeah books like that are a great resource to have around to sort of start those conversations. Well, and that, I mean, that segues to uh, uh, just centering back on the self-publication, self-promotion nature of now that this is out in the world, the job Mm -hmm. that you have to do. I mean, do you do things like school visits or library visits and put yourself out there? I haven't yet, but, (laughs) um, but I'd like to start, I mean, um, like so here in Michigan like I mean things are just starting like honestly this week to like people to gather with kids stuff Hmm. so I've I've made a couple contacts where I think like we'll have some story times in the future but nothing's planned yet um but it's something I'm really hoping to to do a little bit more of this summer and then um also part of that was like we moved in October so it's like hi I'm new here (laughs) also here's my book (laughs) Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like we, I, the timing was terrible. I published it like two weeks after we moved. <laughs> so, um, also, again, learning experience wouldn't do that again. Wouldn't move, you know, 550 miles and publish a book at the same time. <laughs> but, um, so a little delayed, but yes, that's, that's my goal. Um, and I've been in contact with some like local bookstores lately, and hopefully something can come out of that. Um, but I'm trying also trying to figure out like what that like from the the musical creative side of me of like so do I just make this you know do I make a show out of it do I do like a song and story time and and I'm trying to figure out how to market myself in that way too yeah cool now that's I mean so here's my background I'm not not quite so artsy I've worked as a uh freelance photographer before and I'm I'm a writer for my day job content creator and a writer and you know script scripting and all that and that and that's where those sorts of side skills that are not directly related to the book writing and marketing really come in handy is yeah. when you can think about the bigger picture of how this is presented from your perspective think about this presentation like I'm going to do I'm going to go do a, a set um, yep. for these kids. And I'm not just going to read a book to them. I'm going to do a set around this, maybe, you know, yeah. play guitar and then read the book and then do some activities and that sort of thing. That's yeah. really helpful for sure. And I, I think that's the way I'm going to have to go. Cause I also, 
like knowing me, I'm going to want to put like the teacher and or musician side on like, you know, flip the switch and we're performing. I'm not just reading this book and then being like, see you later. <laughs> you know? um, so the, I guess the real uh, answer to that question is I need to figure it out, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think that's like the, the other part where I think whether I do traditional or self-publishing of like, it's also just a, another aspect where I can like get out and, and connect with people. So if I can just keep self-publishing and have more and more to do or to share, that's a win. Um, you know, you, you have more songs in your set. Most people is generally always traditional, but you know, I haven't decided like what's the, what's the perfect creative life for me. You know? Yeah. Still trying well, to for those bookstores and libraries in Michigan listening, where <laughs> where can they find you? Tell tell them like website and stuff so that, you know, if they're listening. Yeah. So you can find me at amandaeshcormier.com or at amandaeshcormier on Facebook or Instagram. I will probably get a YouTube and TikTok up soon, but the TikTok right now is just me sending stuff to my friends. So. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. We can link all those too in the yeah, show notes okay. for anyone who's listening and wants to circle back around. Amanda, is there anything else that you wanted to to say or talk about with your book before before we wrap up? Um, I feel like we covered a lot. It was it was really great. I don't think so. Other than I mean, thank you so much for having me. I don't know. If oh, of course. Any last minute questions. No, it's just I just more observations that it's a beautiful book, and I, you know, w we come into into these conversations with preconceived notions about um, the person behind the work and what it what it took to 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 get the work out into the world. And <clears throat> I mean, looking at that, I I had to go back and check myself that it it was a self published book because I know you, you the two of you. This, this is not going to end up being a question, but just my, <laughs> just my <laughs> observations. I know that the two of you connected and arranged a conversation. Um, and I wasn't necessarily part of that. So I came, I came into it kind of fresh, got the book, read the book. Um, and I, I mean, again, had to go back and check uh, that it was self-published because it's, it's a really clean book. It's very well put together. Um, uh, I didn't know necessarily what to expect from the conversation aside from the um, you, if you are represented by your work, then, uh, yeah, as a self-published book, it's, it's, it's a really great piece to put out there. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Amanda. We all, we really appreciate it. It was super fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You may contribute a verse. Thanks for listening this week. Find out more about us and our guests and the artists behind their cover and theme music at our websites, verse.show, renegenerate.com, and joshmontgords.com. See you next verse. Bye.